The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of my story, Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'm so glad that you could join me on this Friday, May 15th, 2020. Today, we'll be talking to the founder and director of Abundant Harvest Aquaponics. And I'll be telling you about my heart procedure, which was performed on Tuesday, May 12th. So you know what I want you to do? All the way from the United States to South Africa. Grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and to my listeners late at night, grab your favorite glass of wine and join the conversation right here on My Story Living with Lupus. aquaponics, planting seeds to grow food and creating opportunities for people and families. You can contact this nonprofit organization at www.abundantharvestaquaponics.org.
You know, as someone who has a chronic illness, nothing really surprises me when um, the doctor either states another diagnosis or I need testing for this or I need testing for that. Well, um, I ask you all know from the intro, I had a heart procedure performed. This is the second one. And this one, um, I knew it was coming because the doctor and myself decided last summer to put it off. Fast forward to April. Um, I had, you know, been exercising, riding the exercise bike, and noticed where I had begun once again to experience chest pains, shortness of breath, and dizziness. So, um... I called into my cardiologist's office and requested a telemedicine call. I take that back. They called me because I had an upcoming appointment scheduled, so we decided to do a telemedicine um, video. I explained to my cardiologist what had begun to happen with my my symptoms and everything. And he said, okay, Susan, he said, it's time for us to run tests. And I said, okay. I went into the office, had the tests performed. And I received the call back and he said, Susan, I said, yes, you know that the test came out positive and what's next? I said, okay. So on May the 12th, I had a heart catheterization performed and um, it revealed that the left side of the heart, the wall has hardened. Um, they call that diastolic dysfunction. Now, for those of you who do not know what diastolic dysfunction is, it often occurs in people with certain types of cardiomyopathy. A heartbeat is a two-part pumping action that takes about a second as blood collects in the upper chambers, the right and left um, atria, the heart's natu natural pacemaker um, sends out an electrical signal that causes the atria to contract. 
This contraction pushes blood through the tricuspid and mitral valves into the resting lower chambers, which is the right and left ventricles. This part of the two-part pumping phase is called diastole. Now, if the diastole part of the two-part pumping phase is abnormal, this is called diastolic dysfunction. In some people with heart failure, the ventricles do not relax properly during diastole. The ventricles are not relaxed. The pressure inside of them will increase as blood from the next heartbeat tries to enter. This can lead to extra pressure and fluid in the blood vessels of the lungs called pulmonary congestion or in the blood vessels leading back to the heart called systemic congestion. Now, diastolic dysfunction often occurs in people with certain types of cardiomyopathy. Now, cardiomyopathy means disease of the heart muscle. Cardiomyopathy damages the muscle tone of the heart and reduces its ability to pump blood to the rest of the body. Cardiomyopathy means disease of the heart muscle. Um, as many as one in five hundred adults may have cardiomyopathy, and many do not even know they have the condition. Cardiomyopathy is a leading cause of heart failure and the most common reason for needing a heart transplant. Now, my good people, the last I counted, I had a total of 44 underlying conditions. Um, and heart failure is one of them. So no, this does not surprise me at all. I'm not worried. Um, while I was in the hospital, I was given a medication through the IV, which was a diuretic to leave, to relieve, um, some of the pressure, some of the fluid off of the heart. Um, when I um, returned back to the doctor, 
my cardiologist. Um, he told me before I left the hospital that I would be placed on several medications for the rest of my life to control to control this condition. Um, excuse me, I'm a little tired. To control this condition, um, they placed me on a cardiac diet, which is similar to the way that I am eating now. Um, the only thing is that I will have to consume um, protein um, for my heart, um, which more than likely will be salmon. Also, since they will be placing me on these medications, I will have to watch out for my potassium. So um, I could either eat a banana every day or um, something, foods high and rich in potassium. So... If you're wondering about um, me being in the hospital, I was not placed on the floors with other patients who were ill because my cardiologist knows that I have an autoimmune disorder which is lupus, and along with my heart um, conditions, it would be very easy for me to um, catch something out of the hospital. So I was placed on the floor with other cardiac patients, um, let me say this, you know that there are new guidelines that before any procedure can be performed, you have to be tested for COVID-19. I was tested and it came out negative. So I was completely safe. All of the nurses and techs that um, was attending to my care were masked and gloved up. So um, I was okay during that. But I did want to tell you about... Um, when they took me into the operating room, I was greeted by, I think, six individuals. And when they were rolling me in the door, they said, don't 
get nervous or be concerned. We know that you have gone through this before, but it'll be people to the right of you, people to the left of you. And when they when they place me in that room, I told them to hold up. I wanted to see my doctor. Where is my cardiologist? I said, I need to see my cardiologist before anyone touches me. And so my cardiologist came around um, to the side of me and he said, Susan, he looked, he bent down and looked at me. He said, don't worry, I'm right here with you. Okay, so then they proceeded. Um, they um, took both of my arms, the right arm laid on the armrest, left arm laid on the armrest, anesthesiologist. He told me his name several times, but I kept asking him, what is your name? And then the next thing I know, they told me, I kept asking for my cardiologist, where is he? I wanted my cardiologist. And let me tell you that I have one of the best cardiologists in the state of Michigan. And his name is Dr. Maher Elder. I have been with Dr. Elder for 14 years. He takes his, the, his expertise and he takes his Hippocratic oath seriously. He was referred to me by Dr. Patricia Dar. These two doctors, I had thought in my mind after searching and searching for physicians that I would never find a physician who believed in patients' care. But I but I can say this, God placed these two physicians into my life. And I am so thankful for Dr. Elder and Dr. Patricia Durr. So the procedure went well. We know now that I have diastolic dysfunction which the left side of the heart muscle is hardening, well, has hardened. And um, it doesn't mean that my life is over. My life is not over. It's just that I continue to readjust myself to my new diagnosis. That's it. That's it. It's just, I'm continuing to just a readjustment. 
That's it. That's all you do is readjust. So I'm good. Um, it doesn't mean that, um, but as I stated before, that my life is over because it's not. No one knows the time, the date of my life but God. And my life is in God's hands. So I'm still around for something. And as I told you guys, um, that I would still continue to do the podcast either from the hospital bed or my bed at home. And I'm not doing it from my bed at home because I have to get around and move to get my strength back. And plus, you know, once you find yourself laying in the bed and if you're an individual who is prone to blood clots or you have a clotting disorder, um, they advise you to move around. So I will not be in the bed only when it's time for me to sleep because I am prone to blood clots and that is the last thing that I need right now is to get a blood clot. So there you have it. Um, Everything went well. I got a new diagnosis and I think that this diagnosis Diastolic dysfunction is diagnosis 44. Um, And what can I say? I'm still keeping on. Up next, you'll hear from the founder and director of Abundant Harvest Aquaponics. This nonprofit is changing lives within the community of Colorado Springs, and you'll find out how, so stay with me. The essence, the essence of, for me, a, a good day, a good life is being in a position where you can appreciate the possibilities of relationships. Because without you, I don't take the next step. Hopefully, without me, you can enhance somebody's next step. Something I'm doing here, you know, I ain't gonna change the world. I'm not that naive, you know, but if I can just touch the areas that I can reach and touch and just do little bitty teeny weeny things to, to make a difference. There are pieces of people's lives. There are pieces of relationships. There are pieces of sacrifice that a ton of volunteers made to make this happen. And to me, that that's inspiring. That means something. And our mission is to grow plant seeds, to grow food, and create opportunity for people. And one way we we have um, started to do that is through aquaculture. Say that it comes from a genuine desire to do my part to attend to the human condition. And it's just my belief that 
no one should have to make a critical choice about nourishing food. This organization has been featured in Kind Magazine, provides food to the needy. It is a one man's mission to feed the hungry in Colorado Springs. Now, if the last name sounds familiar, it is. I'm here to introduce you to the founder and director of Abundant Harvest Aquaponics, my brother, Charles Hendricks. How are you doing today, Charles? Good afternoon, Susan. Since I have to call you Susan, since we're on the air, uh, I can't use my favorite nickname for you, so I will say good afternoon, Susan. I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Could you explain to my listeners what exactly is aquaponics? Well, uh, I can tell you uh, a little bit about Abundant Harvest Aquaponics um, in the process of telling you what it is and how Abundant Harvest Aquaponics came about. Uh, Abundant Harvest Aquaponics is a, a part of Abundant Harvest Community Garden Outreach. Uh, we are a local we started as a local community garden in Colorado Springs in 2011, uh, and we started strictly to uh, grow food um, using traditional growing methods. In other words, to grow food out of the ground. Um, we started with uh, four 50-foot raised beds, which... Uh, we grew over 2,000 pounds of produce. Um, the first uh, growing season that we were in existence, and and that produce was distributed to the volunteers that helped and to local food pantries. And in doing that, we found that uh, abundant uh, that that whole community garden concept um, was very popular in, in terms of bringing people together in the community uh, and those people in turn uh, meeting their neighbors, working with their neighbor, neighbors, and ultimately having, um, showing a harvest uh, for their efforts. And uh, from that, we just took that community garden concept and tried to make it a little bit more efficient. And when I say efficient, in 2012 in Colorado Springs, there was a, a tremendous drought and the water was at a premium. So growing tra traditionally out of the ground um, became non-existent for us to as a community garden. So in, in my search to keep the organization uh, afloat and keep it moving, I found out uh, about 
the benefits of aquaponics. Uh, aquaponics is a growing system that has been around for over 2,000 years. The Egyptians grew a large portion of their food using aquaponics, and very simply, what aquaponics is, it's fish uh, providing the uh, fertilizer uh, to the produce um, that you um, grow. And let me see if I can clarify that a little bit. If you think in terms of just a local lake, wherever you are, think about a local lake. The one thing that you notice at the lake is there's a lot of greenery, whether it's seaweed or whatever. Now, um, there are fish in that water, in, in, the, in those lakes. And what those fish do they eat food that they're able to gather, and as they uh, expel the food uh, through their waste, that waste fertilizes the plant. That's why you very rarely see a lake where there's not a lot of greenery around. That's because of the fish that's in that lake and the waste that they expel, and um, that waste, again, through a very natural process, um, fertilizes the plant. That's what keeps it green. You take that concept, you uh, put it in a environment where you control it, uh, that being fish tanks and what we, in in the industry called grow beds, you put fish in fish tanks as opposed to uh, fish looking for food, you start to feed them food, keeping in mind that the, using the best food that you possibly can get, organic food that you feed the fish, it will in turn the waste products from the fish, that waste will fertilize the plants that you uh, plant in your grow beds. And it becomes a very natural process. It's a what's what we call a closed loop process. Uh, the fish, they, you feed the fish, they swim in the water, they excrete their waste, that waste is then distributed through the grow beds, through the flowing water. It nourishes and fertilizes whatever it is you have growing, you've planted in your grow beds. It's nourished from that wastewater. That water is then recycled, sent back to the fish tank, and the process starts all over again. It is a very, very efficient system. Um, it is closed loop. It's very environmentally friendly. And it enables uh, a person like myself using aquaponics as a growing method on a large scale to uh, grow and have very little impact on the environment. Uh, 
Um, I use 90% less water than a traditional farming operation would use. Um, all of the waste water, water that, that I use, if there is any waste, it's done strictly through the natural evaporation of the water as it circulates uh, throughout the system. Aquaponics, again, is using fish, water to grow your plants. Hydroponics is strictly water. And um, you, as the operator, you have to add the nutrients for the plants in a hydroponic system. So the distinguishing piece for aquaponics and hydroponics is fish and aquaponics, aquaculture, and hydroponics is strictly water where uh, the nutrients for the plants are added. That's the difference. So you don't add any type of supplements into the water to keep the pH balance correct or... Do you simply use male fish or you use female fish or male fish? And what type of fish do you use to grow your produce? To answer your question, again, aquaponics, one of the really huge benefits of aquaponics is that all of the produce is grown using Nothing but water and fish food, okay? There are, we don't use any pesticides. We don't use any herbicides to grow the produce or enhance the growing of the produce. If you think in terms of organic, which is a really big term that's being used quite a bit these days, um, it is really, really tough uh, to get organic from traditional growing. If you allow your mind to just um, contemplate uh, how many times can a particular section of land uh, continue to grow and produce a crop without the soil being depleted, Okay, now think about that. I mean, if you if you grow even during crop rotation, organic soil is going to be depleted of the organic nutrients um, uh, in that particular piece of soil. If you're not supplementing that soil with additional nutrients, chemicals, whatever. That then you have to think in terms of just how organic is the food that's labeled organic. How organic is it? Okay. Now, with aquaponics, the primary concern is making sure that the fish you feed your, excuse me, the food you feed your fish is formulated strictly in an organic way. In other words, I have a, a, a company that I use that formulates our organic fish food. It is 
all the ingredients are totally, completely, 100% organic. And um, that is why, uh, again, the benefits of um, aquaponics is no pesticides or herbicides. In terms of the fish, uh, we are currently using tilapia and barramundi. When um, we first started um, with uh, terra, uh, excuse me, tilapia, um, we found that the mix of male female was about four to five females to one male. What this allows us to do is to start breeding our own fish. Okay, because um, a female tilapia has the ability when they are when they are mating, that she has the ability to produce six to seven hundred eggs each time she mates. Now, um, out of that, you probably will get one, two, three hundred extra or additional fish. So we are pretty much in control of uh, the fish. We know exactly uh, the origin of our fish. A lot of tilapia, and I'm quite sure you're aware of this, comes from China. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so we, uh, to make sure that uh, we produce the absolute best in terms of uh the produce, we chose to early on to breed our own fish. So now we breed our own fish um, and our fish, we sell them as well as we donate them to uh, families in the community that really can't afford to purchase uh, fish, organically grown fish or organically grown, grown produce. Um, so we're pretty much in control of um, the growing of the fish completely. Now, people such as myself who suffer from chronic illness, invisible illness, um, and we try to be careful on what we buy to put in our bodies it seems like aquaponics would be a better fit for us not only people with chronic illnesses but for the general public in total because you're eliminating a chemicals period and everything is organic what Produce do you grow? Um, in reference in, 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 to try to answer your question in terms of um, people eating healthy food, uh, first of all, I am not a doctor, nor am I a certified nutritionist. Um, so, um, Please take these words strictly from uh, someone that's pretty much like 
everybody uh, in your audience. Uh, it stands to reason if you have the knowledge of not only the food you consume, but all of the products that you consume that uh, interface or interact with your life and the life, the lives of your family members on a regular basis, if you have the ability to, number one, uh, know where that food is uh, comes from, number two, how it's grown, number three, the methods that's used to grow it, I would think that it, it's just intelligent for anybody to uh, make sure that what they consume, what they put in their, their temple, you know, in the cliche, the body is the temple, um, that it would be of the utmost quality, uh, not only in terms of the end, end piece, but the, the entire process would be of the highest standards. And I think that um, uh, we, as a society, we have reached a point where um, we, are, we are subject to um, a lot of very attractive advertising. Um, we are subject, especially when it comes to personal products or whatever, we have become um, subject to that we have become slaves to that and if it carries the right price tag and it comes from the right provider or supplier uh, we tend to get caught up into what we're being sold but i would think that everyone would want to make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt even if labels say it's organic exactly what does that mean? Now, one could ask themselves, well, who's going to stop and take the time to uh, question uh, whether or not it is organic or, or if it's of the best quality? Well, and, and the short answer for me is that if you care about what you, what you put in your body and you care about longevity, and functioning in a in a great way, I would think everyone would want to do that. Would want to take the time, and that's why um, you know we use at Abundant Harvest um, not only uh, the what the United States Department of Agriculture considers organic standards or organic growing methods, but we also make sure that if you purchase or we, you receive any of the products, the produce that, that, uh, that we, we grow and we harvest, you have access to the history of that particular uh, product, a head of lettuce, will tell you the day that uh, it was planted, will tell you the type of seed that we used, will give you a day, a day by day um, chronology of that particular head of lettuce. That's how seriously um, we take what we do, especially with people consuming our product. So it, 
I think it's it's paramount that if you good health, bad health, in between health, whatever, you know, all of that changes when you I think when people start to pay closer attention to what they consume. Okay. Um and I'm not what I'm about to say. I want my listeners to know I'm not just not saying this because this is my brother. Um, I've been um, suffering from my illness since the age of five. It came a point in time over 40 years ago that um, I could not consume a lot of products. So I had to change the way I Ate. Um, I no longer could eat meat because of my illness. So I, I cut out red meat, pork, chicken. And even today, as I go to purchase what is considered organic products, I don't know if it's really organic or not. I'm just going by what the label says, I don't know if they use any forms of additives or chemicals in it um, to keep it the green color if I go get lettuce or mushrooms, whatever they put in mushrooms. I don't know if it's really, truly organic. By me changing the way that I eat, it has helped with my illness as far as the inflammation goes, the flares, um, and everything. And as I stated before, I'm not saying what I'm about to say because this is my brother. Um, we, we do totally separate things. Um, but as for me... I would choose aquaponics over so-called organic because you really don't know where or what they're doing with that organic food. And far as something being grown in the ground, um, I'm leery of that because the soil is contaminated. So you either going to ingest something from contaminated soil or ingest something that is grown by aquaponics, which for me would be a better choice. Now, Charles, in your organization, your first year of your organization, how many pounds of food did your organization harvest? And how many families um, does your organization contribute to? Um, when we first started as a community garden, um, again, um, like I, I mentioned earlier, uh, we, we, we started growing out of the ground and um, we um, built four uh, 
four foot wide by 50 foot long uh, raised beds that was growing out of the ground. We grew uh, one season uh, 2,200 uh, pounds of produce. Uh, our first year using aquaponics. Um, now, keep in mind that when you uh, are using aquaponics to grow, uh, it's usually done in a greenhouse, which allows you to control the environment. You're not subject to uh, uh, everything that uh, the wind can bring and blow in, in, into your garden or whatever. It is a very controlled environment. Uh, in terms of the heat, in terms of how cool it is, all of that becomes paramount when you're, you're producing uh, any type of produce, okay? Um, our first year uh, growing in a 3,000 square foot greenhouse, that's 30 by 100, um, very, very uh, uh, Spartan, uh, growing system that I put together all by myself, uh, the fish tanks, uh, the grow beds, I built them or whatever. We grew 20,000 pounds of produce. Now, what we do in terms of distribution, we like to work with organizations here in Colorado Springs that are set up to distribute food to needy families. Um, and one of those groups, um, well, all of those groups, uh, we deliver the produce to them, and they in turn distribute it to families that um, need produce or need food uh, through their uh, food pantries, through their after-school programs. We work with uh, middle schools, schools where kids are uh, families. Uh, have kids in schools that are on free and reduced lunch, lower income families. Um, we distribute the produce to them. They in turn um, distribute it to the families. Uh, so to s tell you exactly how many families um, we have served, I really have no idea because uh, some of those schools have two uh, have 100, 200 kids that, that get our produce every Thursday. Uh, some of the food pantries, they service, uh, man, God knows how many families. So um, it does, our, our, our food doesn't last long. I mean, when it, when, when it comes out of the ground, we get it to these organizations or they have a regular pickup time. They stop by, pick it up. Uh, and they get it back and distribute it. So um, to the exact number of families that have benefited from what we do, you know, uh, let me say it, put it this way, it's not enough. I want to, I want to quadruple whatever that number is because um, I think um, everybody deserves to eat a good, healthy meal. Now, with aquaponics, uh, in our new greenhouse uh, that we're getting ready to build, we're building four new greenhouses. Um, they will be 4,000 square feet greenhouses. Um, each greenhouse will have the capacity to produce 
over a hundred, hundred twenty-five thousand pounds of produce a year out of each greenhouse. Um, that's that's quite a bit of food, and we'll do it uh, using ninety percent less water, no no pesticides, herbicides, um, less water than than you would use traditionally. In other words, I can get out of uh, my greenhouse in a year's time what it would take 50 acres of traditional farming, 50 acres um, to produce. I can produce um, that in one greenhouse. It will far less impact on the environment. So to all of that said, to answer your question, I don't know exactly how many families. I know the poundage because we track um, the uh, amount of food that we grow because when we're seeking grants um, are looking for uh, to expand and grow the organization those are the type that's um, that's the type of information we need to provide to potential investors or or people that are issuing grants I can give you the poundage you can give the poundage Yes, the first year um, that we grew aquaponically was over 20,000 pounds of produce. And what percentage of that did you give away? Uh, a part of our mission is to give or donate 50% of everything we grow. In other words, as a paying customer, uh, if you buy a pound of tomatoes uh, from us, you have made it possible for some needy family in Colorado Springs to have a pound of tomatoes. 50% of everything that we grow, we donate to those in the community that cannot uh, purchase organically grown produce. Uh, that's produce as well as the fish. Fish, it usually takes about a year for the fish to mature to what we call plate size, which is usually two and a half pounds. It takes about nine months for a fish to grow, to grow to that size. At that point, we then distribute the fish as well. Well, that's all in good, but what about communities who don't have aquaponics or not even a um, decent grocery store to go to. You're talking about, now you're talking about what our uh, Department of Agriculture has designated as food deserts. A food desert, according to the definition by the uh, United States Department of Agriculture, is any area where uh, healthy, nutritious food and or food uh, retailers is not within five miles of that community. Now, you, you can say, well, well we have a, a bodega or we have a convenience store. That's, that's not designated as a healthy alternative because everything you get in those convenience stores are uh, processed. Everything is processed, okay? The, the United States Department of Agriculture designates food 
deserts are any areas, urban areas, where a retail outlet is 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 not selling healthy, nutritious produce, and it's not within five miles of your particular home. That is a food desert, and we have lots of food deserts all over the country. In those areas, especially in areas like Detroit, Chicago, it would be really, really great if people, local communities got together and looked at all of the available land that you can pick up at literally pennies on the dollar and probably um, a lot of it would probably be donated to uh, people that got together and, and formed organizations, take that donated land, um, get the city through different types of programs to subsidize uh, an effort to build a uh, greenhouse. And aquaponics would definitely would be a way for the community not only to come together, but uh, to work together on an ongoing basis and uh, grow healthy produce, as well as eliminate uh, all of the all of the uh, the not so good uh, effects of be living in food deserts. So that would definitely be something that if I lived in, a, in an urban area, I would be looking to do. Okay. They get the land um, for little or nothing, and they want to put up an aquaponics greenhouse. Does your organization offer an educational um, component? To help communities to build, teach them how to grow, um, grow food via aquaponics? We definitely do. We love uh, helping um, uh, anyone that has a desire to uh, change the the entire paradigm of their their food production systems within a community. We love to help them. All they need to do is reach out to us. And if we uh, and can't physically come and uh, walk them through step by step um, the uh, process, we can definitely put them in touch with the resources uh, that they. Uh, can use to do this, and believe me, um, it, it it is something that you definitely can do it yourself. I mean, it, it is. I've done it several times. I'm getting ready to do it again during our expansion, uh, the phase that we're in now, where we're expanding as a result of the success that we've had. Uh, so it, it is something that I would love to just be a part of a community wanting to do that. Uh, we would definitely uh, work with them in a consulting basis to help them to, um, to uh, get something like that started. You not only provide 
food to those who in need. You also provide an opportunity for others to learn what you're doing to become self-sufficient. Am I right or am I wrong? Yes, yes. We we work with uh, an organization here in Colorado Springs uh, called Rocky Mountain Human Services. We've been involved with them in, in a program where they were uh, bringing us uh, veterans, people that uh, had came back from the, the different uh, military uh, branches and, and um, needed to uh, re-enter the work, uh, the workforce. Um, they have a program set up where they would bring us those veterans and we would work with them uh, 26 weeks to teach them what we were doing and uh, to teach them aquaponics as, uh, as we use it uh, uh, in our efforts. They, they work alongside uh, of uh, the volunteers that we have to come in. We also work with a lot of organizations that have missionaries in various countries around the world that um, are looking to enhance their skills in terms of taking what they learn uh, back to those various countries and implementing it to help uh, the people in those countries become a lot more self-sufficient and and um, build sustainable food production uh, methods. And uh, churches that have missionaries, other organizations that have missionaries, we've worked with them, continue to work with them, love working with with people to uh, learn what we do so that uh, they can pay it forward. What got you into doing this? Um, what got me into doing this? I was broke at the time. I had lost a very lucrative sports memorabilia business and went belly up in 2008. Um, I was told completely, uh, not completely, because obviously complete is final, it's finality, but I was near um, just complete depression, near depression. And um, I had lost everything. Uh, it, it was a very, very interesting time. And um, my wife told me that as I sit around and felt sorry for myself, um, uh, the best way to uh, get over feeling sorry for yourself is to do something for somebody else. So I started volunteering in a local food pantry, um, started to meet people, and, and the people started to... Um, tell me their story as we talked every Thursday as I, I went to that food pantry. And uh, from that, uh, um, just got friendly with a bunch of people. And uh, we started the community garden. The community garden uh, turned into um, 
the organization um, as it stands today. And that's what got me started. God took your struggle and used it for his good. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's what he did. He used it for his good. And that's that's great. Tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you, those who live out on the West Coast, how they can contact you. Well, um, um, nowadays, as we all know, we have all been, you know, gotten a little closer to each other via all of the wonderful technology that's out there for us to use these days. And um, one of the things that we definitely uh, consider one of our lifelines is is uh, technology, and to and to reach us via technology, you can. Um, you can reach us on our website. Uh, we are, it's Abundant Harvest Aquaponics. That's A-B-U-N-D-A-N-T-H-A-R-B-E-S-T-A-Q-U-A-P-O-I-N-C-S dot org abundant harvest aquaponics dot org uh, we are on facebook at abundant harvest aquaponics dot org instagram as well um, my uh, you can reach me always through my uh, email address which is charles at abundant harvest aquaponics dot org Charles at AbundantHarvestAquaponics.org. All right. I thank you so much. But before we go, let me ask you this. I forgot. Do you have a um, shop on your website where people can purchase different items? From you, do you do you ship your products? You know, Susan, uh, what we do, we have a, a CSA that is a community supported agriculture um, uh, program, uh, which is a subscription program. But that's just here locally. What we are doing, we're in the midst right now of uh, raising money to expand our operation, to build additional greenhouses and set up additional systems, a, a lot more efficient greenhouses than we were currently using. So uh, we are uh, in the midst of uh, raising funds to do that. And if there's anybody out there that uh, that's listening that has uh, a heart for helping people and, and, and you're looking for an outlet to, to help people and if you think what we're doing is something that might be attractive to you or um, you can always go to our website and um, click on the donate button that's abundantharvestaquaponics.org and click on the donate button and you can donate to us to help us in our efforts
appreciate it. Uh, if you have uh, old cars, uh, cars that you no longer um, uh, are using and you want to, to get some sort of tax uh, benefit uh, from donating those vehicles, be it a boat, a car, whatever, we are a IRS registered um, nonprofit, a 5013C, and we definitely would um, uh, love to receive those type of donations uh, as well. And again, all of that information you can find at AbundantHarvestAquaponics.org. If you're ever in the Colorado Springs area for a summer or a weekend and you want to stop by, or you if you're here for an extended period of time and you want to uh, volunteer your, your, your talent and uh, a little muscle, um, you can go on our website at AbundantHarvestAquaponics.org and fill out a volunteer uh, application. We'd love to have you to come and hang out with us. Uh, there's also a volunteer handbook that you can download, an ebook uh, at AbundantHarvestAquaponics.org. So um, that's it. All right, I thank you so much for joining me today on My Story Living with Lupus. And I will be, as soon as we get through, I'll send you the link over. Thank you, Tiny. Thank you, Butch. <laughs> and thank you so much for what you do. We, we as a family, we are so proud of you and how you have chosen to uh, just pick up uh, uh, the baton left by our wonderful parents and continue to reach out through the community, through the foundation that you work so tirelessly to um, to make better every day. We are very proud of you and uh, whatever we can do to help, just holler and uh, we'll make it happen. Well, you know, before I let you go, it's um, it's the way we were brought up. That's all I can say. It was the way we were brought up to give back to the to others. So I'm just doing what I was taught and seen by my parents along with my siblings. It's giving back. Amen. So I will talk to you later. Thank Be you. Blessed. Okay. Bye bye. Good health is something we take for granted until we start to lose it. When our health takes a downturn, we quickly begin to question our habits and diet. God has designed the human body so that it is a finely tuned instrument that is the most resilient on earth. It can endure fractures and adhesions and constant pain. However, it is a fragile instrument because it is not built to handle excess weather in the form of nourishment, 
fuel or additives. Unlike machines, it chokes on poisons when ingested in unending doses and mistaken for fuel. Though it has moving, feeling, and thinking parts, they can be misused. You see, God has provided us with an owner's manual that tells us how to operate the human body. That manual is the Bible, a book that contains instructions for proper maintenance. Although it isn't a medical text, it is God's word, and in its pages, he reveals many basic principles for good physical, mental, and spiritual health. Your body is a temple given by God. Start today and make the necessary changes you need to. You will see the changes. You will feel the changes. You will be able to eliminate some of your medications. You will see the numbers change in your blood pressure. Hey, as I stated before, I have dealt with this chronic illness called lupus since the age of five. Turned vegetarian over 41 years ago. Don't you believe that you're worth it to live a healthy, abundant life? You know, if you would just think about the health instructions that dates back to the time of Moses. Yeah, I said it, Moses. But yet in our day, many researchers and medical doctors are stunned at the accuracy and effectiveness of its many provisions. You know, um, Wycliffe Bible Encyclopedia tells us that the laws given by God to Moses contain remarkable rules pertaining to public health, which concerns us even today. Water and food contamination, sewage disposal, infectious diseases, and health education. These issues were all dealt with in the Mozoic health laws. So if you think that it's too late to make a change, no, it is not too late. Try it. 
You heard the information today which was provided to you. Now, you do the research yourself. And if you need to get in contact with Abundant Harvest Aquaponics, you have the information right here in this podcast. I would like to once again thank the founder and director of Abundant Harvest Aquaponics, Charles Hendricks, for joining me today and telling us about how the aquaponics system has changed the game in farming. I'm Susan Hendricks, your host for my story, Living with Lupus. I'll see you guys next week for another episode. Have a most peaceful, blessed, and also positive weekend.
opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you.